So, you know, I, I'd be curious to ask you, and in retrospect, maybe we should have even set up a poll on this, but, you know, where do you go for the questions you have? Probably like a lot of the people here, Google, 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 maybe your spouse, maybe a family member, and then back to Google. Maybe when it's in Google, that automatically means Wikipedia, right? And, 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 and whatever else that might pop up. But more significantly is this. It's one thing to grab facts about, like, who was that in that movie, or when did that come out, or, 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 or when did this happen? But, but it's another thing when you come in face-to-face with life's big questions. Where do you go with the bigger questions of life? Do you go to Google? Yeah, maybe, sometimes. Do you go to your family? Maybe, sometimes. Do you not really talk about them? because maybe you're a little embarrassed or wonder how it's gonna be responded to if you're actually to to kind of bring up the question out loud. And so instead you just keep it in here and it just kind of percolates around and you see what suddenly starts to make sense or fit or maybe it just continues to gnaw. You know, I think the struggle we have today is actually not so much not knowing where to go to ask questions, but being paralyzed by answers. That we can ask a question and there's so many answers being given that we don't even really know how to sort them. And how much more significant does that get when we're asking the big questions, questions about God, Questions about the purpose and meaning of life. Questions about how to have a good life. Questions about right and wrong. Questions about how to navigate significant life choices. Questions about the future. What's going to happen? Where is it going? Is it going anywhere? What's going to happen to me? These are the questions people have been asking since the very beginning, and hopefully you're asking questions like this, the fact that you're sitting in a place like this today indicates to me that you probably do. But what we're gonna be doing these next several weeks is looking at these fundamental questions because Jesus had something to say about these basic yet deep life questions and his followers had something to say about them as well. But I thought what would be fun to kind of start it off is let's do what the people in the video said and ask Google. Now, the way I wanted to do this is just not gonna happen. Because of technology limitations that we have here, What I wanted to do was field from you. Some of those big life questions, and we'd ask Google, and we'd have Google actually just like kind of tell us on the screen and see what kind of shorts and videos and things like that would pop up. So because of those technology limitations, what I'm going to do instead is just kind of field things from you. We're going to see how this works. We're going to kind of test this together a little bit and see what Google has to say. So I'm going to start with just a basic question, and you're going to hear me say it, how to be spiritual. 
Here's a summary from the Chopra Center. Here are five tips on how to be more spiritually aware. 1. Start a daily meditation practice. 2. Cultivate emotional intelligence. 3. Practice self-love. 4. Connect more deeply with others. And 5. Cultivate gratitude. Can you hear that okay? Is it micing out? Good. Beautiful. Beautiful. Fantastic. I don't know. What do you think? It's a basic question. How to be spiritual. By virtue of the fact that you're here today, I will suspect that you are interested at some level in the spiritual life. So the number one thing to come up on Google was from the Chopra Center. It's chopra.com. And if you don't remember, it said five things. Start a daily meditation practice. Cultivate emotional intelligence. Practice self-love. Connect more deeply with others. Cultivate gratitude. I don't know. What do you think? Good advice? Bad advice? Limited advice? Some are saying limited? Okay. Maybe. Give me another basic life question. How does Todd cultivate emotional intelligence? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't even answer that one. <laughs> what else you got? Who is God? Who is God? <laughs> well... Let's try something here. All right. Here we go. Who is God? According to Wikipedia, a deity or God is a supernatural being who is considered divine or sacred. That's the lousiest definition I've ever heard. <laughs> Would you, so, so that cleared it up immediately for you, didn't it? Didn't it? Fantastic. Fantastic. Glad that we have Google here. What's another one? What is the meaning of life? According to Wikipedia, the meaning of life or the answer to the question, what is the meaning of life, pertains to the significance of living or existence in general. <laughs> well, I feel enlightened. How about you? Where do you go for your answers? And what do you do? when the answers you get sound good, sound reasonable, resonate with you? Does that automatically make them true? How do you sift it? How do you evaluate it? What do you do when the answers that are given are more confusing than the question you asked? Where do you go? Who do you seek? How do you figure it out? This is basic life 101, isn't it? And there's no getting around this one. All of us have to wrestle with this at some level or another. Unless I am simply going to live like a lobotomized human being who never considers the bigger things in life, at some point, I am going to be stirred with the questions of life significance. 
Is there something more than what I see and feel and hear? How do I know what to believe? How do I know what's true? Now, since this past September, we have been going through the writings of an amazing man who was the last living follower of Jesus named John. If you were to read the Bible, you would find a number of things that this last living apostle had written. A lot of people think that the first thing that John wrote was actually the last book you'll find in the Bible, a book called Revelation. Anyone ever try taking a stab at it? It's weird, and it's confusing, and it's complex, and people have drawn all kinds of strange, bizarre conclusions out of it, and to this day, people are kind of reading and going, huh? While other people are matter-of-factly saying, it has to mean this, while other people are figuring out end-time scenarios, and other people are figuring out past-time scenarios, leaving everyone else in the wake going, I don't know how to make heads or tails of it. Well, if I'm speaking to you today, I've got good news. You're not alone. They were equally confused back when John wrote it. And so a lot of people think that the second thing that John wrote was a gospel. That is, a biography of Jesus. He was familiar with the other biographies of Jesus that had already come out. It seems that John knew these gospels we call Matthew, Mark and Luke. And you can find them at the start of the New Testament. And it's interesting that if you read these biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, written by these other early followers of Jesus, all of them seem to be telling the same story. And I don't just mean the story of Jesus. They seem to be telling the story of Jesus in kind of more or less the same way, even arguably borrowing each other's material because they didn't care about plagiarism in that day and age. Have you ever read the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke and noticed how a story that appears in one seems to appear in another? And John, now the last of the living apostles, seems to be familiar with the way that story of Jesus was told. But now, of those 12 followers of Jesus, he is the last living one. And he's already confused the heck out of people with revelation. And he's looking at the story of Jesus being told, and it seems that he's like, yeah, this story is good, this story is true. But I have a different story to tell you. Let me share what I heard what I saw, what I experienced. Let me fill in some of the gaps that Matthew and Mark and Luke didn't quite get to. And so John writes this gospel, this story of good news about who Jesus is and what Jesus did and the significance of all in God's greater plan. And if you were with us since last fall, we've been going through that gospel. And we just finished it last Easter Sunday. But here's the thing. People seem to confuse John's 
gospel too. Certainly that happens today. Would you agree? That, that people confuse the Bible. That people will read the Bible and come to, at times, different conclusions. That sometimes people will say very matter-of-factly and with a lot of certainty, this is what this means, and you're looking at it going, I'm not sure you know what these words mean because it doesn't seem like this is what it means, or maybe you've tried to read the Bible, and you're just like, I don't know how to make heads or tails of it. I don't know where to begin. And so what you find yourself doing is finding a favorite verse, a favorite little passage, a one-liner, something that you can buy from Etsy and put on the wall. You know what I mean? The little kind of proverbs and maxims and things like that that just kind of speak truth that you root yourself in and you extract a lot of meaning from, maybe even construct an entire worldview or way of thinking from. Well, the same thing was happening in John's day. He writes this gospel of who Jesus is, a gospel soaked in spirituality. A gospel about what it means to be spiritual. A gospel about how God's spirit comes and interacts and brings life to us today. In fact, you can read the gospel of John and Jesus will say things like this. You know, I bet you wish I were still here. But I'm going back to my father in heaven. And it's good that I do because if I didn't go, the Holy Spirit wouldn't be sent but the spirit of God among you, that's going to even be better. And he, this spirit, will teach you all things. All things about God, all things about life, all things about the human condition, all things about destiny, all things about right and wrong, all things about what it means to be a spiritual human being. Jesus said it. John recorded it. And people since that time have been planting their feet in it, living their life from it. But a lot of times what happens is they're just getting it wrong. Let me ask you, or maybe we should ask Google, how do I know if it's the Holy Spirit? If the Spirit of God is to be sent and I'm to bank my life on it, how do I know when it's actually the Spirit of God talking to me, leading me, convicting me, or guiding me? How do I know when it's the Spirit and say not just what I want, just my own inner dialogue and voice, my own inner sense of self that's speaking to me? Or what if it's the devil? What if it's something more sinister? What if it's other voices in my head? And if there are voices in my head, am I sane? Is it a healthy voice? Or is this like something like split, you know, or something like that, where it's a voice that I shouldn't be listening to? And how much of this is dependent on just what I've been groomed with? What's been impressed on me? what culture has taught me, my parents have taught me, what I've been grown up to believe. How much of it is God, how much of it is the bean burrito I ate at midnight last night? <laughs> These are the fundamental questions 
as we seek to feel and figure out what it means to be spiritual people, to be people of God. And in John's day, just like Revelation, people were getting it wrong. They were claiming all kinds of things, saying God spoke to them, saying they had spiritual insight, saying that they had discovered through God's leading the truth and the way to life, to answers. Some were getting hopped up about it, viewing themselves as being more enlightened. Maybe you know people like this. Maybe you experience people like this. And if, you're not, and if you don't, maybe you are a person like this. It's easy to fall into. And in John's day, just like today, there's all kinds of other people watching this, listening to this, seeing this, going, is it true? Does it work? And if it does work, does that make it? True? What do I believe? How do I know? How do I make heads or tails of this? And it's all the more significant when it comes to questions about God. Who is He? What's He like? What does he want? What lights him up? What ticks him off? What's he going to do? Should I be afraid? How do I connect with him? Is he someone I want to connect with? Does he see everything? Does he know everything? Oh, shoot. If he does, what does that mean? And then what do I do about it? Is there anything I can do about it? Oh, God. Let's not think about it anymore. What's on TV? You've been there, haven't you? You know what I mean? It's the human journey and experience no less true in the days of Jesus. And it's harder when it comes from people who claim to believe the same thing as you. Here we are at Fellowship of Faith. We are a Christian church, arguably gathered among a cross-section of people who are Christians here today. I say it that way intentionally. One of the things I love about Fellowship of Faith is this has been a church where people who do not consider themselves Christians have felt safe to come to explore the spiritual journey, ask the spiritual questions, and find some guidance along the way. And if you're here today and you don't consider yourself as a Christian, know that we are a Christian church and that we believe that God's son, Jesus Christ, is the living manifestation of God himself and that what the Bible says is true. But we understand that you might not be there. You might be questioning it. You might be doubting it. You might not believe it. We are so glad that you're here today and this is a place where you can explore that freely, knowing that we're happy to walk alongside of you. But it can be confusing because sometimes you could be among a group of Christians, can't you? 
who claim to be using the same Bible, basing themselves on the same teachings of the same Jesus, of the same God who sent him, coming up with different things to say. Why are there Baptists? Why are there Lutherans? Why are there Presbyterians? Who's right in the mix? What about Catholics? What about Orthodox? And what about all the ones you forget about, like Assyrian Christians, Chaldean Christians, Coptic Christians, which don't get a lot of press on this side of the Atlantic, but are a major force in Christianity and history and still are alive and well today? And what about those who are more on the fringe? Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, Christian scientists, others of varying varieties that I can mention. And what about all the secular literature out there? Those who are reading the Bible but going, Jesus isn't God, he was just a man. He was a failed revolutionary. He was a wise stoic teacher. Maybe he was a fairy tale. What do we believe? It can be confusing, can it? Do you ever find yourself in the foray of all of that? Going, who's right here? And does it matter? The same is true in Jesus' day. I brought some heavy books in here today. This is called the Nakamati Library. It's a collection of other gospels, other stories, other letters about Jesus claiming to be from that day and age. Let me read you a couple of titles. Tell me if these would be like interesting to you. Man alive. <laughs> the prayer of the apostle Paul. Huh. What's he praying about? That'd be kind of cool to see be kind of cool to know, wouldn't it? The Gospel of Thomas. Huh, he was a disciple. He had a gospel too. The Gospel of Philip. The Acts of Peter. We know the book of Acts in the Bible. Is there more? The Apocalypse of Peter. Maybe Peter got all like Revelation-y too, right? And many, many Many more. Are the stories true? Did it actually happen? How do I know? Who should I listen to? Are you with me? Here's one that I found in high school. It made an indelible impression on me. I thought I stumbled across something. Oh my gosh. It is called the Archco volume. Found buried in the Vatican Library. Listen to the chapters of this. Jonathan's interview with the Bethlehem shepherds. Wouldn't you want to read that? <laughs> now, you might not know this name. Gamaliel, who was one of the key rabbis of Jesus' day, who the apostle Paul arguably studied under, and honestly, whose teachings Jesus is kind of mirror in many ways, Gamaliel's interview with Joseph and Mary. Wouldn't you want to read the transcript on that? The report of Caiaphas to the Sanhedrin concerning the execution of Jesus. 
Pilate's report to Caesar on the arrest, trial, and crucifixion. And many, many more. No, I know for some of you here today, it's like, oh my gosh. It's like, like what's in there? What is that? Does that tantalize you even just a little bit? To know more, to dig in deeper, to get the deeper perspective. What actually happened? What are they saying? What other details are forgotten? What is true? There is so much out there today, isn't there? Offering explanation and answer to life's questions, the important questions, and the specific questions about God and Jesus and Christ and the Bible. And it was just as true back then. And amidst all these competing voices, all these different perspectives, all these different answers and evidences being offered. It can leave you in a place confused, bewildered, wondering, almost throwing your hands up, going, I don't even know what to believe. And it was into that, smack dab into the middle of that, that the last living apostle, this man named John, decided he had one more thing to say. And so he wrote a letter. A letter that was probably the last thing he ever penned that we have recorded. A letter he wrote after Revelation. A letter he wrote after the Gospel of John. Three letters, actually, or maybe one with two cover letters. And you'll find them in the Bible with very original names like this. 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. <laughs> Letters that this last living apostle wrote to Christians in his day who were wrestling with the same confusion. Most of the apostles aren't there anymore. People are starting to spin their own tales about Jesus. Did this happen? Is this actually true? What was he actually like? What did he value? Where did he lead us? And what does it mean to be spiritual in the spirit that he sent? And I'll tell you, just like today, back then, Christians were coming up with all kinds of hairband crazy ideas. To be fair, some sounded very reasonable. Some were very convincing. Some clicked. They made a lot of sense. And others left them going, what? Really? Is that what happened? And John writes a letter to these Christians going, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Listen to me. I was there. I saw it. Let me clear up for you some of the confusion about who Jesus is, the basics of what he taught, and what it truly means to be spiritual. Here's my remote. I've got stuff everywhere. 
Let me share with you the opening of that letter that he wrote to those Christians back then. Today. That which was from the beginning. Which we've heard. Which we've seen with our eyes. Which we have looked at and our hands have touched. Concerning the word of life, Christ, Jesus, he appeared. We have seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the life of God's coming age, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We have seen and what we have seen and heard. We're here to tell you. We proclaim to you, John says, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we write this to make, and it isn't quite clear in the Bible, our joy or your joy complete. John is telling them there's a lot of crazy ideas about there, out there. And there's a lot of not so crazy ideas, that ring of truth. And the moment is coming and coming soon where you will not have the eyewitnesses to lean into anymore. So let me set the record straight. Let me tell you, John says, what actually happened so that you know what to believe. And not just so you can get some like right and wrong thing on the test, but that so by knowing what to believe, it will steer your life accordingly. Your emotions and motivations and will. So that life and joy will be yours because God wants you to have life and joy. At least if what the eyewitnesses say is to be believed and is true, which fundamentally begs the question, who are you going to listen to? There's a lot of options out there, but who are you going to listen to to find answers? to life's big questions and the significant questions about God and his truth. John is inviting you to listen to him. And he's inviting you to listen to him because he says, I've been there. I saw it. I touched it. I heard it. I was actually there. Who can actually claim that? So listen, John says, listen to me. Because by doing so, the spiritual life that you are seeking will be made clear to you and you will know where God is going and what it means to connect with him. There were a lot of people in John's day who were breaking away. 
Breaking away is claiming to be enlightened or spiritual, claiming their own way, leaving other Christians behind in their wake, hurt and wounded, confused. John writes to them, saying, let me set the record straight. And so these next several weeks, we're going to round out the writings of the last apostle and take John's final words about what it means to be spiritual beings grounded in the truth of who God is and what Jesus actually said, came to do who he actually is. That's what it's about. So we invite you to that journey. John says, if you'll take it, it'll make you a person of life and a person of light. That others without it, they find themselves in darkness, groping and guessing, wondering and speculating, or worse, committing to wrong paths that ultimately lead to death. Make no mistake, John says there's two kinds of people in this world. Those of death and darkness and those of light and life. And he's inviting you through the truth of what actually happened to be people of light and life. And we hope you'll join us on that journey this April, May, and early June.